I was just thinking, like, how Canadian are we? We're unboxing illegal weed and sitting nobody, in a Tim Hortons. Nobody even <laughs> cares or cares. barely notices. We took this episode of The Legal Podcast to a Tim Hortons in downtown Toronto. I chose this location because it has a clear view of a busy illegal pot dispensary located right across the street. Proof, the black market is still alive and well, at least here in Toronto. Really, we're watching the black market thrive right now. Um, so we're sitting right across the street from this dispensary and people do go in. They, they ring the doorbell, they get let in, a couple minutes later they come out. I'm City News reporter Shauna Hunt, and on this week, I grab a cup of coffee with Brad Poulos. He's germinating our future ganjapreneurs. At Ryerson University, he teaches a class called The Business of Cannabis. Yes, that's a thing. We dissect Canada's legalization rollout and take a look at what's working and what isn't so far. Now, I don't know exactly where to start with this. There's just so much going on across our country, so I might as well begin in my own backyard. Ontario. In this province, legal weed is only available to order online, and this appears to be keeping the illegal pot shops in business. I went to one dispensary just up the street from here. So I walk into this dispensary, and there is like a rack of T-shirts in this empty room. And then there's just one desk and a guy sitting at a desk. And I say, hey, are you guys still selling weed? And then he hands me a coupon, and it directs me to a website. Mm. And so that's how some dispensaries are going about it. Okay. So they're not actually a storefront any longer. They've and gone I don't under think the they covers. have supply on hand. So if cops come right. in, we have one rack of T-shirts we're, we're selling. Yeah. As far as I know, all of the illicit websites that were in place pre-October 17 are still thriving. They're still going. And so is this the part of the issue when it comes to how Ontario has rolled all of this out? We clearly have a thriving black market. We do. There's a thriving black market. And the reason there's a thriving black market is because there's a huge amount of demand. If you'd like to be a success in business, you have to compete with your customers. To know the things to do is not that hard, but to actually execute them, of course, is incredibly difficult. But you have to have better pricing than your competition. You have to have at least as good a selection or better, better or same quality, better or same experience. And right now, the experience is awful. So the only way to buy legal weed in Ontario is online through the Ontario Cannabis Store. And that's been a bit of a disaster from the get-go. What are some of the problems that you see with how Ontario is rolling all this out? Sure. So I think some of it actually could have been foreseen because we're looking at a government entity that's really not used to doing fulfillment of hundreds of thousands of packages on a single day, finding themselves in that position. So I'm not sure everybody really knew that the uptake would be quite what it was. And I think anybody who understands business and, you know, startup issues would have foreseen that. The first time the government tried this, there would be glitches for sure. Delivery is taking a long time. So I ordered, for journalistic reasons, of course, I ordered a yeah. gram of weed on October 17th, about six hours just before noon on that day. And it took 14 days to get right. to my doorstep. And for someone like me, I, I don't smoke a lot of pot or I don't really smoke pot. So, you know, I, I can survive. So to sort of understand all the frustration I'm hearing about, I try to envision waiting 14 days for a glass of wine. And that's absurd. Well, that's and absurd. Overlay that with the fact that, of course, your average cannabis <laughs> user is an excellent planner. Oh, right. So they really don't plan their cannabis use 14 days in advance. It's absolutely a joke. It's, it's, a, it's an absolute non-solution. 
We have a website being operated by a company called Shopify, who's been doing this for a little while now and yeah. is a world leader in the space. And the website's worked pretty much without fail. Why? Because Shopify knows what they're doing. If the Ontario government had simply outsourced this to private industry, a company like maybe a Canadian version of Amazon, because I'd like to keep it in, I'd like to keep the business in Canada. Sure. They wouldn't have run into these problems. There are companies out there that know how to put packages in the mail. It's just the government isn't one of them. So this is my cannabis yeah. from the Ontario Let's cannabis see what you store. Got here, what'd you get? So I actually have. This is someone else's, but um, yeah. So this is a box that comes. This is one gram of weed. Yeah. So we're gonna it's unbox this. In a nice this. big carton, about six inches cubed. Right. And inside that is a bunch of filling, of course. We got paper filler. You got some instructions on how to use it. That's fine. And then, so you bought one of the, you bought a strain from one of the better companies in general. Well, it was Campfire. It sounded nice. So, I don't know. <laughs> and you've got, so you've got AltaV from Medrelief here. So it's a relatively low THC, as you can see there. Yeah. Oh, uh, and CBD. So a little higher on the CBD, low on the THC. Yep. So this would be really good maybe to help you sleep or whatever. It's not going to have a really strong psychoactive effect because the CBD tends to counteract the THC and there's actually more of it. So and all of this, this is right a relatively on, on the package. Weak strain. Right. Yeah. And then, of course, you can see the big brand here that's just almost as big as the stop sign that has the THC and the cannabis leaf in the middle of it. So are you going to open this up? Yeah, let's go Or have you it. already opened it? I, I have opened it. Okay. So there you go. So you open the box, and then there's... Oh, it's childproof. So I got to... So I got to right. squeeze this. Hold on. I got to put my mic down. So there's a big, huge carton, which then has inside of it a little... <laughs> Outer carton, which carries some play. plastic packaging that has some there cannabis in it. There you go. Okay. Huh. How's that smell to you? I don't know. I really have I'm not the knowledge. I, I've, I don't know what to base it I'm off of. A, it, it, smells, it doesn't expert, smell too pungent to me. Like It, it smells, smells actually very nice. Yeah. I've uh, opened two, contain, uh, two other containers of legal cannabis. Through the recreational side, I've also seen lots of medical and pressed, and okay. this is one of the nicer ones that I've seen. Did you weigh it to see if you got a gram? You know, I don't know how to weigh it. I don't have weighing. <laughs> I don't have equipment to weigh weed with. I'm sorry, but yeah. I know that's a thing online. If you go on Twitter, everyone is saying weigh your weed. Everything's light. That's another complaint. Either labeling's wrong, the weed is light. Of course, delivery is is that other mega issue yeah. going on. It, it's a tough one for cannabis providers because we allow in weights and measures in Canada for anything like a, a carton of milk or a can of pop, uh, we allow a certain amount of variance. Mm -hmm. And the same thing exists with cannabis. Uh, but the thing is, when you fill a can of pop, the Coke isn't slowly drying up. The cannabis, of course, is starts out with moisture in it, and it's really right. difficult then to stop that moisture from leaving while it's in storage for many, many months, potentially, and right. then get sold. So it's a, I, I'm not making excuses for the cannabis companies. So I'm just saying it's a much bigger challenge for them to stay within those tolerances than it is for other, other yeah, you know, categories of, of products. Um, packaging, excessive packaging is also another big issue. What do you make of that? I mean, so, this is a little... A little intense. Th this one's a little intense. I've seen actually much, much worse. So I ordered on the first night, I ordered three and a half grams, mm -hmm. which would be the next level up. You ordered a single gram. Yeah. Most of the companies are offering one, three and a half, or seven. And um, so mine came in uh, a big part carton like this, you know, a big sort of cardboard carton. Inside that was a, a, a carton exactly like this, this outer one from yours, except it was bigger. And it 
then held a plastic jar that would be kind of like a jar that would hold your like cold cream or whatever. Sure. Something like that. Yeah. Um, I've seen those. I've seen was, those before. It was about ninety-five percent air and and five percent. Just what product. a waste of material. What Absolutely. a waste of material. And it's actually all in the name of um, childproofness, which I really take great issue with because we have tobacco products that are way more harmful to children, and we don't put those in childproof containers. Not even child resistant. Anybody can get in a pack of cigarettes. You're balancing societal harms. So mm-hmm. it's the societal harm that comes from excessive packaging versus the societal harm that comes from allowing children access to this. And let me point something out to you. This cannabis here that's in my hand, that's in this little pla- plastic tray that we pulled out of the cardboard carton, it's cannabis flower. And this cannabis flower is intended to be either smoked or vaped or whatever. Do you know what happens if a kid eats that? I have no idea. I would assume that they would do, get high and you, sick. Because we'll assume the child can't roll a joint. Yes, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, so I've the seen only toddlers, the I'm pretty sure they do, can't, yes. The only thing the kid could really do with this cannabis is to eat it. Now, first of all, smell it. Do you think you're, you, you have a relatively new baby, right? Yeah. What's the chances your baby's going to eat that? I could see her putting it in her mouth and then spitting out. Right. Spitting it out. She would do that if I put it in front of her. Let's say she's dumb enough to actually eat it. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) She might be. Do you know what would happen? (laughs) What? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. This is not, this cannabis is not psychoactive until we heat it up. So if I put this in butter. Okay. And I heat it up, I'm going to pull the oils out. And at the same time, I'm going to be doing what's called decarboxylation. And essentially this cannabis, the way it sits, doesn't have THC. It has THCA, which is THC with an extra carboxylic acid molecule sort of attached to okay. it. The way you get that off is by heating it up. So if I smoke it or if I vape it. Or I'll, cook it. Or cook it. Yeah. But if I just eat it the way it is, it's not psychoactive. This, the only harm this would have to a child would be that it would might maybe make them sick just because it's plant material. And, you know, who wants to Kinda eat raw gross, plant yeah. material? Or if it had some pesticides or whatever. But it should be tested for that and it shouldn't have any. I did not know that. Because dogs will get sick if they eat it. And they'll get sure, super Sure, but they stoned. won't get high. Not, they won't get not high. Not just oh. the cannabis. So not they, from just, it just makes it them sick? from a cookie. Right. Maybe from a cookie. Because that, the butter decarboxylizes the cannabis and so makes it now psychoactive when you ingest it, when you eat it. That is, I did not know that. Starting in April, there's going to be an open retail market here in Ontario. And that's going to be a game changer, I I think at least. Absolutely. I'm really happy to see that the government has changed the tack from the previous government and we're allowing for private retail here in Ontario. It's absolutely the way to go. British Columbia and Alberta have essentially done the same as have Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Newfoundland. So we're absolutely in the majority here as well. If you look at uh, Alberta has had private liquor stores for quite a long time. No carnage occurred. The private sector is in a better position to serve the public in Mm -hmm. a commercial enterprise like a cannabis store than the public sector is. It's that simple. Okay, so for us, it's just we're in this weird period of waiting But I think we should sort of maybe put a bit of um, water on the arguments that we're way behind here in Ontario. In British Columbia, on day one, they had a single store open, and it was on Vancouver Island. Which is crazy, because BC has always been known. They had this amazing little, you know, cannabis culture already bustling and, and thriving on their streets. 
Um, in Calgary, though, or in Alberta, I have been hearing about supply issues there. They also have some only a few retail stores. And for a while, their shelves were sitting empty because they were just having trouble keeping, you know, keeping stocked up. It's absolutely true. And the stores in New Brunswick, half of them didn't open last Monday. Because they just had no supply. They didn't have enough supply to be a bother opening. Exactly. Is this to be expected? Is this just part of the growing pains of sort of transitioning a black market industry into something that's legal? It's exactly what it is. We, we have hundreds of thousands of square feet coming online over the next few months of growing space. And that will relatively rapidly get licensed. And relatively, I think within six months, all of these bugs will be worked out. Let's remember what a huge sort of societal change this is we're going through. In six months, we'll be looking back on this as just glitches, I think. And, and really, in a year or maybe a bit longer, we'll have a glut. We're going to have too much cannabis. Too and much? What licensed producers... <laughs> it's really... I really feel for licensed producer CEOs because right now, they're under a huge amount of pressure to deliver cannabis as fast as they can, increase capacity as quickly as they can, and when they get there, relatively shortly after that, we're going to have a little bit of an oversupply, most people believe, and there will be downward pressure on pricing. So it's a tough game. One of the things I found so surprising is Whistler, B.C. Right off the bat, the mayor came out and said, we're not going to sell cannabis in Whistler, B.C. I mean, if you think of Whistler, it's this picturesque resort town. It's synonymous with snowboarding, and that lifestyle, in turn, is synonymous with pot smoking. And they're also looking into making the entire resort smoke-free and vapor-free. So basically, you go to Whistler, you're not doing pot. I mean, maybe you pop a couple edibles and, uh, and go into hiding. What, what's the thought process behind this? That's a terrible off-brand message for me. So Whistler, if you think about the brand of Whistler, and you think about what that really means to the average person who understands Whistler, I think cannabis consumption would be consistent with that. And so it's just, I think, a really bad, inconsistent uh, branding message, really. Is frankly. it a missed opportunity? I believe so. Right. And I think we'll see, especially in Ontario here, where we've got lots of small towns that are within about an hour or so of, of the GTA, I think we'll actually see a couple of them become sort of cannabis hives where you'll see a number of uh, craft growers locate and try to create a little bit of a, of a buzz around, <laughs> forgive the, the pun, but, you know, of a little bit of buzz around a certain area. Like, and I don't want to really name names, but I will. So St. Jacob's, for example. Mm. You, now, they, they'd be a really bad example for cannabis, <laughs> but... Um, it's but a that, little Mennonite town that for concept. those who aren't are, aren't aware. Right. Yes. I don't know where St. Jacob's is. But but it's a bit of a destination. Right. So, yeah. Um, you know, for certain things. So if you want to go and uh, see the farmers market and maybe look at antiques and whatever, you know, you head there. So perhaps some other municipality will kind of become, or a handful of them will decide to become kind of cannabis havens. Sure. Okay, that's interesting. We'll have to see where those pop up. I, I should point out that I did reach out to the mayor of uh, Whistler, B.C., and I requested an interview for this podcast, but they, they denied my request. Okay. That's so, too bad. That's too bad. I was really fascinated to understand, because there are some communities that are saying no to cannabis, and I just want to know the mindset behind that. But I think anytime if somebody has a, an, an argument that's counter to yours, it's interesting to hear what it is. Absolutely, right? Another thing that I just I find so confusing is is all of the rules. You have federal rules, you have provincial rules, and you have municipal rules. In Ontario, for instance, um, 
the provincial government has allowed public smoking. So you can spark a joint anywhere. You can spark a cigarette. But then you have the suburb of Toronto, Markham, and the city council held like an emergency meeting and they passed a special bylaw to ban smoking cannabis in public. So I would hate to be a tourist because really every five steps you take, there's there's a different rule for what you're doing. Sure. Same thing is true in the United States, though. In fact, it's uh, probably even a little harder to navigate those waters in the States because you've got serious criminal penalties in one place and then a foot across the border, it's totally legal. So, but, uh, and I think it's true of really any regulated industry. If you look at uh, alcohol, you've got different, different regulations at the federal level because they look after production. Uh, so they look after our safety in terms of, you know, yep. that, that being properly produced. And, and then the provinces have jurisdiction over um, distribution. So similar situation. Um, another interesting thing that legally we're allowed to do now is we can carry pot on a plane, which is just, it, it's mm-hmm. got a funny feeling to me. I don't know how comfortable, I would still be nervous. As long as you're, of course, traveling within Canadian borders. But I could walk into Pearson Airport with 30 grams in my carry-on and uh, take it to Vancouver. You could do it with a doobie hanging out of your mouth. Can as long I? as you don't light it. Sure. <laughs> Just imagine you could board a plane with a rolled joint. But who would do as that? As long as it's not who over 30 that? grams, that joint, right. then yeah, I think you're in safe territory. Recently, I've been reporting on a medical marijuana shortage. You know, there was a terminal can- cancer patient who reached out to me and said, you know, my, I can't get my, my medicine, my CBD oil. Can't trust, can't fulfill my order. Their shelves are empty. And the CEO, um, I had a conversation with him, and, you know, we put this on the news. And he just said that there's a, a bit of a backlog happening in the, the laboratories, the federal uh, licensed laboratories. At least that in their case, that, that's been an issue. So that is absolutely true. The licensed laboratories, which are the companies that have to perform these um, tests on pesticides and the like, Um, there are only a handful of them in Canada, I think around 15. And we have thousands and thousands and thousands of cannabis batches that have to be tested before they can be sold. So there are a number of things that cannabis companies have to test for before they can sell their cannabis. Um, One is uh, pesticides, then heavy metals, mold, and that sort of thing. But the pesticide tests must be performed by a third party. So that means these independent labs. And we need to bring on more independent lab capacity as an industry and fast. fast. Obviously, we've covered a million topics, so this is great. The world is watching what we're doing. And just some final thoughts on how Canada has pulled this off so far. Oh, I think I'd probably give us a reasonable grade for how we've done so far. given Really? Okay, good. Given the huge amount of work that has to be done. Um, and there's some great opportunities here, but we have to not screw it up in a, in a bunch of ways. So one is that ultimately brands are going to win in the cannabis space. We can see that by watching South of the Border. Mm-hmm. And we're not really allowing brands to emerge in Canada the way we could. So I'm a little concerned that if we don't write that a little bit earlier than what a lot of people think we will, um, that the bigger American brands will become more, much more meaningful than the ones here. We have to own We have to own what we're doing. Especially if you think about the fact that we don't have an advantage in terms of growing. We don't have a comparative advantage in terms of growing really anything, but certainly cannabis. It's more of a tropical plant. So countries that are closer to the equator have a much greater advantage in the growing side. So we have to use our know-how, our savvy. We have to build brands, intellectual property, that sort of stuff that we can export. Because in the long run, we'll be importing cannabis. We won't be exporting it. 
Really? Okay, so that's the future for us. The long run future. The 10, 15 years out. Okay, Brad, thanks so much for joining us. Anytime. Thanks to Brad Poulos for chatting with us and a shout out to my producer, Ryan Clark. You can listen to new episodes every Tuesday on FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com or subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Rate us, review us, tell a friend, and just a heads up, two more episodes to go. You don't want to miss them. You can always find me on Twitter at Shauna City News. That's Shauna with a U. And just a reminder, hashtag I'm not a pothead. Talk soon. Next time on The Legal Podcast. Guess what? Moms smoke pot too. Instead of a glass of wine, these busy ladies spark a joint to help unwind and keep their heads straight. We'll chat about the stigma and get expert advice on how to talk to your kids about recreational weed. 